Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insight for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I'm your host, Maria Moore, and we've all heard that honesty is the best policy, right? The truth shall set you free. Well, today, we'll get to the foundation of those statements as we talk about self-acceptance and how being honest with yourself has a direct impact on every area of your life. To lead the conversation, I have an incredible guest, Dr. Kanika Bell. You are the owner and psychologist, ATL Psychotherapy and Consulting Services, LLC. And you've also lend your expertise to some of our TV One shows like Fatal Attraction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to the Mind, Body and Business podcast. Thank you. Tell me a little bit more about your background and what you specialize in. I know that you are a graduate of Spelman College, earned yes, your master's degree. Uh, see, I was just all girl. I was all on the internet looking at looking <laughs> you up, girl. So I'm a clinical and forensic psychologist um, by trade. I my, my PhD is in clinical psychology. After Spelman, I went to Auburn University. I'm also a professor um, at Clark Atlanta University. I just love the AUC. I can't get enough. I've graduated <laughs> Spelman, went right on back to teach at Clark. Um, and I teach classes on uh, psychological testing, on forensic, and I teach a class called Black Women's Mental Health that is based in uh, a book I did with Stephanie Evans uh, and Nasinga Burton called Black Women's Mental Health. And that kind of led me to where I am now, what I'm focusing on now. I launched another company called The Joy RX uh, that I do with my very good friend, um, Maria Newport. And we are literally looking in terms of research-wise um, and, and clinically uh, at the therapeutic use of joy, just mm. actually using joy as a therapeutic tool. So instead of people focusing on what's wrong with them, focusing on their strengths and using those to improve their outcomes. Oftentimes when people are trying to change a habit or they're trying to get to a goal, they think a lot about the things that are standing in the way, but they don't think about what they should add to achieve that goal. Joy is uh, pretty absent in, in their mm-hmm. lives. And even, you know, even when you think about like dieting, right, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it is just overwhelming to think about what you're not supposed to eat. I cannot have this donut. I cannot have this pizza. I can't. And if you just, if you really added water and added several fruits and vegetables, it actually would decrease your reliance on those other foods. If we thought about what to add, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just what to subtract, our mindset around it would be different. And so I'm looking at that for mental health outcomes. You know, how can we just, let's add joy. Add a friend. How about that? (laughs) Who's going to do this with me when you're like, girl, I can't do it. Girl, let's just do it. We promised mm -hmm. ourselves. And Mm -hmm. you really need to add that friend. Let's for exercise and more for moral support when them potato chips be calling your name. Listen, because they're loud. (laughs) They are loud. (laughs) So, you know, I just wrapped up this series called the Triple A Series. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, a lot of folks are talking about setting goals. So I kind of went through this Mm -hmm. process of assessment, action and accountability. But then I thought about another A, and that is self-acceptance. And so with this podcast, I'd like to start off with a, a quote of the week. And the quote that I have for this week, and I thought it could be interpreted so many different ways. It says, fake love is worse than real hate. (laughs) eyes rolling that is a word and I think that it can be interpreted so many ways when you hear that what do you think what are some things that come to your mind fake love is worse than real hate first of all that was a word I'm about (laughs) to write that down fake love is worse than real hate at least with real hate I have something to work from at least it gives me a springboard it gives me something an actual foundation to either make a decision that I want to keep 
keep going in this direction or I want to go in this in this other direction. Mm-hmm. When we are talking about something that is fake, if we're moving in a way that doesn't sit right with our true selves, we only can go so far. You can only grow so big when you are not watering yourself with the, the nutrients you actually need. And I think that that's a great seg into the topic of this episode, which is self-acceptance. Now, I looked up the actual definition of self-acceptance. It's defined as an individual's acceptance of all of their attributes, positive or negative. You know, I think self-acceptance is your ability to tell yourself the truth. Mm. And I think, unfortunately, we have taken that sentence usually to mean something negative, right? You better tell yourself the truth means, uh uh-oh, right? No, tell yourself the truth that you're hilarious. Mm-hmm. Tell yourself the truth that your skin is beautiful. Tell yourself the truth that, yes, I need to lose 30 pounds, but I also can kill a dress, whatever it is. Tell yourself the actual truth. But the kicker there is, is that we would have to know the truth. We'd have to pay attention to ourselves enough. So self-acceptance has to do with being vulnerable with yourself. When I think self-acceptance, naturally, I think I need to accept my flaws. I don't think about the first thing that comes to mind isn't that I'm valuable, that I'm talented, that I have something special to offer the world. Yes, along Um, with the flaws. Along with the flaws. Along with the flaws. Yeah, to be honest with yourself. But why do you think that our negative attributes seem to be more magnified than our positive ones? I see it happening all the time. I, I really think we are culturally trained to focus on that too. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially those of us living in in more westernized nations. Right. Like like the United States. I think we are we are programmed to look for ways to critique ourselves because I guess this ultimate goal is perfection, which we never accomplished, which is why we're never satisfied. If the goal is to be perfect, you are about to get really tired. (laughs) because that's not, that's not what's happening. We don't focus on just kind of enjoying the the journey. We are so outcome dependent. And that is why I think we, we spend a lot of time on our negative traits because we see them as obstacles to this goal of perfection, which we really shouldn't have anyway. Right. Right. We also, because they're magnified for us, we believe they're magnified for others. They really think about it. How many women do you know who can take a compliment really well? You ever just compliment, compliment a woman sometimes Mm -hmm. your hair looks lovely today. Oh no, girl instant. I mean, Mm -hmm. instant. Or that dress looks beautiful on you. This whole thing, I've had it for a long time. Instead of just like, you know what? Thank you. I mean, we are so trained to jump to the negative, even in the face of a compliment. Yeah. Right. That we would have to actually practice. We'd have to put it into practice to to love ourselves enough to, to talk about all of our qualities. So let's give an example right now. Kanika, your skin is so beautiful. It is glowing. Thank you. I think everything that you're doing, I'm going to give you a larger compliment. It's not even just Oh, no, I was totally joking. You don't have to. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm about to give it to you anyway, sis. You're about to get this compliment. I was going through, you know, I was really going, I was going through just your website and whatnot. And I was like, just go ahead, sis. First of all, go ahead. I'm I'm proud of you. Now, like, you know, (laughs) I mean, I don't know how trite that sounds, but I'm so proud to see people and especially us as women use our gifts and our tools to build up other folks. When I looked at just the pictures of the women wearing just self-love is so gangster t-shirts. I was like, yeah. And I love that you're doing that. I celebrate that in you and any, any kind of help support, if it's prayer, whatever, anything that I can give to your endeavor, I am down because I love it. I love what you're doing out here for people. Thank you so much for that. I think that when it comes to self-acceptance, 
when people are trying to understand how can they practice it more, what are some ways or some examples of self-acceptance through words and also through actions? So this is going to be a a difficult one, but I tell my clients to do this, right? Sometimes we have to work up to this. I think we have to sometimes stand completely naked in front of the mirror and really look at ourselves. We don't, we rarely do that. We actually kind of run past the mirror. We avoid it. We get dressed really quickly and just see, you know, is this cute? Um, I'm talking about naked, not a stitch of clothing on and to, and thank our bodies, like really be grateful. You know, imagine looking at your C-section scar and saying, thank you. Mm-hmm. Child came out of there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Imagine really looking at yourself and being grateful. Thank you, skin covering everything. Got me out here completely protected. Thank you. You know, and I think that's an that is an exercise I do think people have to kind of grow to do. But it's a way of saying, yes, here are some things that I'd like to improve about myself because self-improvement is great too. You know, we're not we're not talking about, you know, acceptance as I don't make any moves to grow or change. It's that I celebrate my wins on this journey. So I think people have to set, I think people have to stand naked in front of the mirror. I think people have to set realistic goals, right? Mm -hmm. Goals that fit you as a person, right? I have dieting goals myself. I gained the whole COVID-19. Okay. And, and so, but I also know that I love food. I mean, I have like some sort of relationship with food. For, mm-hmm. So I know a, a, a strict diet where I will starve myself, not, it won't work for me. I, I am, I accept that about myself, right? Mm-hmm. But I had to, what do I know about myself? I like dance, right? I like, you know, I had to think about what are the things, I like community. So I need to work out in community. Me by myself with a video? Nope. Me and my girls with a video? Yep. Yeah. Right. These are things that I you have to get to know yourself to set realistic goals for yourself and then celebrate those wins. Yeah. You have to celebrate those individual moments. Another technique is to practice uh, mindfulness. You know, it's the hot word right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I mean by that is kind of stay in the stay in the present moment. I think what people do is they worry so much about the past, which, you know, which kind of can cause depression because you're you are replaying things that you wish you did better. And then they worry so much about the future, which can cause anxiety. What am I doing right now? What am I being intentional about in this moment? Instead of punishing myself for what I think the mistakes I think I made in the past, instead of holding myself, you know, to something that hasn't happened yet right now, you know, who am I right now? What am I doing right now? What can I be intentional about like today? I think those are ways that we can start getting to a better place of self-acceptance. I look in the mirror sometimes. I'd be like, uh-uh, come on, little roll here. And, you know, I, I may look at like my skin, you know, I'm getting older and I'm seeing the wrinkles more. Sometimes I have to ask my body for forgiveness. Like, mind, I'm so sorry for filling you with toxic, you know, mm-hmm. images and staying mm-hmm. up late at night and not giving you rest when you give me mm-hmm. fresh ideas to make money. You give me focus. I'm so sorry, stomach that helps me digest food. And I'm I'm complaining about, you know, how you look in terms of aesthetics and stuff like that. And mindfulness um, for me has Good. been like really key in being inside of the moment. I'm sure that you've had conversations with women, um, especially Black women who are leaders, who are high mm-hmm. achievers. And sometimes I think that as a leader, we feel this pressure when you're in that leadership position, you feel like you're being held to a higher standard. What advice Mm -hmm. do you have for women who are in that position that feel the pressure of being a leader and always being the example? So I'll, I'll be honest. One, well, there's two things that I know I have found to be helpful. Find other people of your ilk. 
right? Like I'm part of a black women psychologist group. We have been, we get together, we meet, we bounce ideas off of each other. We, we get business uh, strategies. Most of us um, did our postdocs at, at Emory Medical School and we, we stay in community with one another so we can kind of keep that in check. You know, that feeling of like, I guess I have to be perfect. And, and two, I'll be honest, in some ways, I took the power out of what I was in terms of being worried about what people think by just being honest about things. I'm divorced. And my ex-husband is also a psychologist. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no he's judging also, over here, boo. <laughs> right. He's a he's a great psychologist. Listen, and we're so happy now that we live on different coasts. It's not even fun. <laughs> right? I mean, we, are, we get along real well with him, him on, on West Coast time and me on East Coast time. It's wonderful. <laughs> But I remember thinking, what would people think? Would people still come, you know, for couples therapy? And he and I talk all the time. Like, I think I'm a better couples therapist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh -huh. better now even than I was prior because now I really know, you know, now I could really look at things objectively. And I think, you know, I think for many people in those leadership positions, it's okay to just be, be real, be a real. I think so. that's what people like about Michelle Obama, right? Yeah. Is that she can, there's this way that she's just like, yeah, and I'm also a person. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 makes you a better role model because then you look achievable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if you again, if you look too perfect and it looks like everything always works out for you. Well, of course, <laughs> it's easy yep. for you. Sometimes you have to let people see this is how you get through a struggle in order to be inspired to go through their own. I appreciate that. And also you being open about your divorce and let's shift the conversation there, especially for folks who are in relationships. I actually received an email from what well, a DM from a lady and she's in her early fifties and she was talking about how unsatisfied she was in her marriage. Mm -hmm. And she explained that she had been married for like 20 something years. She said, I got married really young. I didn't get to experience anything in my 20s. You know, my husband is, you know, I think he was about eight to 10 years older than her. Mm -hmm. And she said she just didn't want to be in the marriage anymore. Sometimes people feel like they have to stay in a marriage. They have to stay in a relationship. Maybe there's children involved. Tell me where self-acceptance and acceptance of certain circumstances and situations um, you said a mouthful right there. I do think our circumstances and our, our environments and especially our relationships um, certainly color our self-acceptance. I, I know for myself, I felt like originally, am I a failure? You know, it feels like an, an identity shift. You know, here I, I was wife and mother and, you know, and I the only thing that shifted was wife. Right. And I thought of I thought about that. And again, I had friends to help me through this. I'm, I don't believe in doing things on your own. Um, I went to a therapist myself. And so did he yeah. <laughs> as we mm -hmm. transitioned out um, of the relationship. But I this is going to sound trite also. I, we have one go at this life. Like we have one go round. Um, and I think we have to fight for joy at every turn. You can always pivot. We always think we're stuck in something. But we are the ones who chain ourselves to that thing. Nobody's saying to you, must stay in anything, right? I And by pivot, I don't mean necessarily even come out of a marriage. I mean, you can pivot the relationship. You can mm -hmm. decide, I don't like the way this marriage is. Let's make it different. I mean, you, you can always decide to do something differently, to try something new. And I think we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the gift of life. I don't think life was meant to be endured. That just couldn't be so. Yes. That just oh my gosh. We were not put here to suffer. Oh I don't my think we were supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, pathologically, we start to believe that that we actually celebrate, we laud people who suffer through a thing. 
I don't want to do that. I want to join through a thing. And I don't want to be suffered through either. Can we talk about the cultural connection in terms of our Blackness? And I feel like sometimes struggle is rooted in our DNA. Mm-hmm. It's like you always got to struggle to get to the goal. Mm-hmm. Like struggle, there, there is, there is the no, your success is not real if there's no struggle associated with testimony. it. Talk <laughs> about the difference between struggle and, okay, yes, you're going to face challenges, but people feel like they have to go through this negative space and endure and tolerate mm-hmm. pain to get to that joy, that success, that goal. The funny thing is, is every in every life, some rain falls. So the idea that we would need extra struggle, I think we've, I think we've, we've done struggle as a people. I think we got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think we paid the struggle. Check. Yeah, yeah. We can check that box off. I do not think any of us have been, you know, cakewalking or living, you know, an easy life, regardless, just because of the kind of adversive environment we often find ourselves in, mm-hmm. um, especially those of us living um, in this country. So I'm not sure that we, you know, we need additional struggle, but I, I, it's just part of how we celebrate ourselves, frankly. I mean, that's that whole kind of Black superwoman, strong Black woman concept is the more you go through, the more you shoulder alone, the mm. more, you know, we celebrate your achievements. I celebrate people who do things, you know, with help. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to yeah. celebrate people who say, I, I did not choose the path, you know what I mean, of most resistance. I found a way to do this and get rest. And I think mm. we just have to change our mindset about that. That was That's important what you said, because I do think we we kind of pride ourselves even, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Watching organizations, we have people stand up and we applaud when they do something all alone. She's a single mother and she's four children, no help. And, you know, she's been riding the bus down here and thank goodness she comes. Why? Yeah. That shouldn't have happened. Somebody mm-hmm. should have been helping. Somebody should have been involved. She should have had some, some input from some, that shouldn't have necessarily happened. Mm-hmm. It does. And we, and we adapt, but mm-hmm. I think, we have adopted that as part of our identity mm-hmm. that struggling being downtrodden and always having to fight against is our identity. Again, we have had to do that for hundreds and hundreds of years, but I think now we got to get our survival mode. Can we start thriving? We just, we're just looking to survive. I'm just making it, you know, you ask black folks, how you doing? I'm getting through. I feel like it's even more of a struggle now thinking about there are already challenges that life presents. There's obstacles. There's also great opportunity. When I think about all of the massive changes that we have had to go through over these past two to three years because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. And initially when, you know, all those lockdowns happened, I thought, well, this is good. You know, we don't want to spread the disease. But I think a lot about what that isolation did to people mentally. Yes. Um, being disconnected with just real in-person human connection. I didn't realize how much I needed it. What do you think is happening in terms of the connection between the pandemic and our mental health? So I think, you know, I think there are a couple of positive things that happened. You know, I know I personally was realizing that I was working too much. Right when it started and I was at home with my daughter, she was in kindergarten at the time. I was having anxiety because I'm a college teacher, not a kindergarten teacher. I don't teach my students how to read because they are 22. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to break her. She's not going to be that smart um, you know, because I don't know what to do. But I was spending more intentional time with her. And that did give me the opportunity to say, I need to do this more. I need to say no to more things. I need to shut things down. 
um, at a certain time in the evening and be intentional about my time with her instead of kind of just running around. I do think, I think some of those positive things happen, but this is part of the self-acceptance too. I think many people believe they can exist on an island. I don't need people. You're not just have associates. I don't need friends. And then they realize when kept from them, how damaging that was. And I think for children and young people, we're really starting to see that now. You know, my students um, were saying, you know, the other day, they were like, you know, you all really talking about professors, you all really expect us to have a lot of these, uh, you know, responsibilities and, and adult qualities now. But remember, we left as freshmen and came back seniors. Yeah, And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. All of the the steps you would have gotten, the training you get during the college years, the, the adulthood processes, you didn't have those. So now we're just expecting you to just have it together, graduate and get out in the world. And they're like, how so? Yeah. You know, we missed that developmental step. And I think people just may not have been gentle and as, as gentle with themselves during the pandemic as I think people should have been. And that's part of that self-acceptance too. We weren't on sabbatical. You know, we weren't on vacation. We were staying away from each other because we thought our breath was going to kill somebody. That's mm-hmm. a major psychological issue. So the idea that people were supposed to learn Chinese, rebuild a wing on their house and lose 50 pounds was <laughs> quite, I think, yeah. Yeah, that was unrealistic. Yeah. I saw people posting like that. If you didn't lose weight during the pandemic, you're just like, I mean, if people were really saying things like that on social media, I wasn't on sabbatical. I was being traumatized. I was traumatized. And yeah. I think that we had to take a second and recognize how that was political things. Civil rights 2.0 was popping off during the same time. Oh. That was a period. And then it kind of flowed into our physical well-being, like everything is connected. Um, I, I do want to ask you, because I have four children, two of my children are adults, um, 23 and 21 years old. And, you know, I want to know you as look a parent, 30, so okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you look amazing too, sis. But I, I do want to know, um, just as a parent who has adult children, what I can do to be more supportive and empathetic towards my adult child who is experiencing, you know, having to adapt emotionally to all of these changes that have happened. Because I think naturally, especially as Black parents, like, no, you're going to go to college and you're going to finish yep. and you're going to do this, this and that. That's what you're about to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, but not thinking about the emotional weight and just how different it is yeah. for, you know, our kids who are adults. There's a number of different things. One, for young adults, remember that, you know, developmental stages were happening during the pandemic. So they didn't develop the exact same way. I've noticed that their kind of professional social skills are a little bit more impaired. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, when we we didn't have a pandemic, so we learned things about making eye contact and, you know what I mean, and, and how to greet, you know, people and, you know, at that young adult stage. And many of them did not because they were existing, at least for some of them in some periods in isolation and social media often being their only way of communicating. We all know that social media can be a blessing or a curse. Yeah. Right. And so I even think some of the high suicide rates that we're seeing now in young adults, I think is related to one, the isolation of the pandemic and kind of just not it's not just the isolation, but like lack of trust in your government and, you know, adults to take care of things. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things there. Yeah. <laughs> you uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm talking about a generation that's like, um, if something serious happens, I have no faith in you people to handle yeah. it the right. Because they see the evidence that it's it's not working out. Yeah. I mean, so. you know, we have to really think about all that happened, all the things that happened in the summer of 2020. We watch people just climb into the take over the Capitol. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we got to remember for children, they're like, 
it's wild out here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And and they're coming up like, oh, well, this is the standard. This is just right. how it is. I can imagine what even, you know, younger, not uh, outside of adults, high school students, right. middle school, elementary school. Imagine how they write their thinking. They're also in a different yeah. generation. I've realized, you know, as a like, like a late Gen Xer, you know, that that Gen Z you know, they, they process things in a, in a differently, right? And so some of our acceptance, you know, as parents, as their professors, as they, they, this is kind of a good thing about them. They do think about their emotional boundaries a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. I came from, you just go work at that job. If they're not like actively injuring you, mm-hmm. you go to work. Generation Z people are like, I quit because it just didn't fit, you know, how I was emotionally feeling. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, what? you're like, oh, wow, that's a luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but they also have more options. They also can yeah. make YouTube videos and become millionaires. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I had to go to work and make my little tiny money an hour. Right. So I think there's there's these places for us, you know, a little bit older than young adults, you know, how whatever our role our role is, parents and church members and whatever the case may be, to give them a little bit of a wide berth, right? Because they are coming up during different times and they are um, trying to negotiate self is esteem and self-acceptance in an almost all digital environment. All they have are these filtered images and unrealistic bodies. And you know what I mean? They have, they have so much of that intake and now they're trying to develop their self-esteem in the midst of it. I talk a lot about changing your algorithm on social media and, you know, purposely engaging with those accounts that, you know, display the realness and display people who are vulnerable, people who share their flaws and their victories and it's realistic and it's aligned with the way you think and act and want to feel. How can we change our algorithm like in real life? What we're feeding, what energy we're allowing into our minds, into our spirits. So this is going to sound crass, but you know how people talk about <laughs> they, don't, they they ran out of Fs to give. Uh-huh. Yep. I actually think that's there's something brilliant about that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe not the you know using the language, but I do think every day or every month, you know, whatever our, our period of time, we only have a, a particular amount of bandwidth, right? Uh-huh. So I do think we have to be careful about where our energy goes because we and, and then some days we don't have that much at all. You know, I don't have a lot today, so I can't uh-huh. take in, you know, too much. And then we have to be careful on those days to, to be intentional about what we take in. Now, of course, you know, especially with young people and us too, we're scrolling, we're looking at things, we're dealing with lots of people. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, we have to completely go into restrictive mode, but I do think we have to just be a little bit more intentional about what we take in. Are we, why am I looking at this show? Why am I watching these particular videos? Be intentional about looking for something that counters some of those negative messages. If you are on social media, you find yourself blood curdling angry most of the time, right? Yeah. Something in your, your algorithm is starting to, to do some things to you. Find something, you know, great to look at. I know my soul needs to take in, you know, just some, some better messaging. It's, it's a great feeling to know everybody's not angry and crazy out here. There are, there are just as many people, there are just as many posts with 500,000 likes that are, that are talking about wonderful things that are happening. I want to transition to talk about self-acceptance and really like how it affects our physical well-being, like the way that we think 
uh, the way that we act, the things that we do, it impacts our ability to make choices about nutrition that are aligned with what we want to achieve, um, how we move our body, um, our motivation, because I, I feel like that's the thing that I get the most. Folks just say, they say, I'm just not motivated to get healthy. How does that impact our fitness goals? We know that the motivation piece is because we're, we're often comforted by food, right? Especially in certain communities, right? Especially yeah. in our communities. We, yeah. you know, if we, if we're feeling sad, we get together and eat. You, you have not eaten until you have attended a black funeral. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like if somebody yeah. black passes away, the, the food that starts to arrive oh, at that oh is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, this, this is how we just eat our way through the grief. But then we also eat our way through celebration. That's we true. also eat our way through just getting up with somebody. If you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time, I mean, you never say something like, let's just walk around the museum together. You're like, let's have lunch. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's based around, we, we use food as a comfort tool. And again, I am the queen of doing it. So I am not hating on it, but I do think we have to be more mindful about that. Right. Mm -hmm. and, we, and part of the self-acceptance is knowing I do that. So if in any given week, I'm going to have two not so great days and two really great days, and I use food to either mourn or celebrate, that means I'm going to have four days of not eating well, right? In seven, yeah. but we'd have to tell ourselves the truth and, you know, and really accept that that's who we are. And one of the biggest parts, you know, this may be, this may be out there, but follow me there in terms of self-acceptance is we judge our, our physical histories, and I'm saying that to say, we will actually lie to our medical professionals about our own sexual histories, our pregnancy histories, our substance abuse histories. That is dangerous. That is dangerous. I think to some extent, people have to accept, I drink a lot, right? And your doctor should know. And somebody else outside of you should know that you do. But because we haven't accepted that about ourselves, we're lying to ourselves, we're lying to other people. I mean, literally going, it happens in my office too, literally just openly lying to the person who's there to help you. When I have women that come in my program and they're not losing weight, and I know I have a proven program that has produced results. I'm telling you exactly what to eat. I'm telling you exactly how to exercise, move your body. Like I even I right. even have options. If you don't like to exercise, you just don't have the time for it. I said, if you're following a plan and you're being honest, you need to call one of two people. Number one, your doctor, because there's, there might be an underlying medical condition. If you're, you know, if, you, if you're saying what you're saying and you eating them salads every night and you exercising and, and you're not seeing changes after a month, call your doctor because sometimes there, there is an underlying Something medical condition. Wrong. Yeah, If you're in that calorie deficit and you're also moving. And that other person you need to call is your pastor because you're lying and you need to figure <laughs> out like, how to get your- I'm with that you know. one. <laughs> but you I mean, that's not self-accepted. You have to just say, you know what? I know we weren't supposed to eat after this time. And, and every night this week I ate- <laughs> You just have to, you have to, because how can you fix a thing? We can't call the thing out. Yes. You have to know what you're working on. I have people that, I don't know. They just pull an excuse out just of the air. Or yeah. I, it's when I hear people say diets don't work. I was like, oh no, no. The diet is not what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yes, it does. It, did you do it? Well, I did some of it. Mm -mm. Or people try to double down on what they're good at. That that's what I see. If they're not losing weight, they said, well, I'm going to work out an extra 30 minutes on top of the hour that I'm doing, but they don't, like you said, the honesty is I really need to work on the way I'm eating. Okay. 
No, that's very true. And I think, but again, again, that's the self-acceptance piece. We don't want to admit those particular things. And I really think when it comes to health, I mean, that's just one of the most dangerous things I see to see someone who has had, you know, a particular kind of history and literally in the doctor's office, not being honest because you're judging yourself and you fear that your doctor will judge you not getting an STD workup, not being honest about pregnancy history when you're trying to, you know, get pregnant. Um, and this is information that could, that could influence your ability to have the, I mean, just so many things. And I've watched people do that because of that lack of self-acceptance. So, I mean, there are really mm-hmm. tangible ways. And I think, you know, another way that that self-acceptance can, can affect us, you know, physically is. Sometimes we have, I, I saw this, um, I saw it actually in a museum and it had my exact age on there. And I was like, oh, it's calling me out. Mm-hmm. And it was saying women of this age would do better with an hour more of sleep than an, an additional hour on the treadmill. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I try to get on my treadmill, you know, 30 minutes at least, right. Or if not hour. Mm-hmm. And they were like, instead of two hours on the treadmill, go to bed, you know, but I had to be honest with myself that I'm not, I'm I, that I don't, that I'm not, you know, my sleep hygiene needs some work because we're used to working working on limited numbers. We start to tell ourselves that that's healthy. Oh, no, I'm good on four hours. You're not. Mm-mm, just uh, just biology. No, no, seriously, I am. I know anecdotally you think you are because you've done it for so long. Biologically, no, ma'am. Also, just really looking at the evidence, like, look, you've been in a cycle of doing a series of things that have not gotten you to where you need <laughs> to go you so like let's just like look the the, the math ain't mathing the choices ain't choicing like it is just, it's not coming together and so I think that 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 self-acceptance and like you said at the beginning of this conversation just really being mm-hmm. honest with yourself it really is a foundation for progress isn't it mm-hmm. it involves like a stripping down though you know yeah. what I mean and I think people are, aren't always ready for it. you have to prepare yourself for that level of vulnerability that's why I think just an exercise let me just look at myself in the mirror it's also about just mentally let me just really look at myself here you know, not my persona, not who I'd like to be, not the monster I've created that isn't true either, but just the real me. Yeah. And so it re- it takes that level of, of self-work, right? And the honesty with yourself to show any improvement in these physical and mental arenas. You know, it's cliche to say the truth shall set you free, but it is so freaking true. It's so it's, true. It's, yeah. When you were talking about being honest with yourself, I have this app um, called Habit Share, and that's how I stay connected with a lot of my clients. And so they can go in there and set their goals for the day. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna take my my multivitamin every day. I'm gonna drink water, you know, with my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just tell it's real, like, simple, realistic, you know, goals that you can do every day. So I can see their progress. I can see their notes, but I also shared my goals with them. And so, you know, I had this thing, no social media after 830. And I had red X's like four nights in a row, you know, um, didn't do my 10 minute stretch. And not only did it bring awareness for me, but also relief that I can just show them who I am and that I'm trying to as as a coach and as a quote unquote leader. Again, if it just looks like you're walking perfection, they feel further from you. This has been such an awesome, relatable, colorful conversation. And I appreciate your expertise and your energy. You know, this is a mind, body and business podcast. And I do like to ask my guests what they are doing for their mind, body and business. So I don't know, you know, how 
uh, psychologist, therapist, you know, in your world, <laughs> how you all set goals for yourself, if that's a different kind of process. But tell me what you're doing this week, this month for your mind, body and business. For my mind, um, and this is an ongoing, you know, I actually call it my spiritual ritual. Um, I do, I kind of, it's an ongoing something I promised myself. I l- try to laugh and I mean that hard laugh, you know, when you, I mean, I'm talking about when you just scream and hit that deaf comedy jam laugh. Yes. <laughs> I actually try to do that every day. And if I get toward the end of the day and it hasn't happened, I look for something that I know is going to make me laugh that hard. Oh, right? I love you know, it. You talk about being intentional, right? So it's, uh-huh. it's, it's eight 30, it's nine o'clock, you know, and, and now I'm like, well, I shouldn't be on social media. Like she said, after a certain time, but you know, like if, if that happens, I will look for a thing that I know is just going to crack me up mm-hmm. because in a 24 hour period, I, I know I need to have that good cleansing, just hold my stomach laughter. Right? <laughs> it clears it. my mind. It, re- it invites me not to take myself and situations so seriously. It, re- you know, it just reconnects me like, okay, you know what? Life is funny. God is a comedian, you know, like just, I mean, it just reminds me of those things. And it's just a few minutes, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not an hour long something because we're all busy. I just take a couple of minutes to make sure that I do that every day. And so physically, what I have told myself is now, again, when I tell you, I put these pounds on <laughs> and I, and something that I've said to myself is like, I'm not, I mean, I need to improve, but I'm also going to not um, beat myself up and, and punish myself, you know, um, and say mean things, you know, to myself. I think to myself, if I, if I start having negative thoughts, I think when I say this aloud to someone, when I tell a friend this, when I look into my daughter's face and say those things, you know, never. So don't say it to myself, but um, I try to do something every day because I am super busy. I, you know, I, I had to cancel my gym membership because I was like, I'm not going, I'm just paying you all. Right. Mm -hmm. I I got a treadmill. But even if you, even if, you know, folks don't always have access to different things, everybody has some minutes where they're not doing something. And I just tried to move in that time. If I just get out and walk around in my neighborhood, if I just hit some squats in between clients, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just something. I just want to just, and it's a way of like, I like myself. If I Mm -hmm. can't take a couple of minutes, to be good mm-hmm. to myself, mm-hmm. then I'm not sure, you know what I mean? How can I be a person representing self-care out here to other people if I can't take some time every day? Again, I'm not working out for two hours a day, mm-hmm. right? But I, I have some time. I have some 30 minutes in here somewhere where I can say I value me enough so of course I've got lots of business things going. I have my practice, you know, it has been in operation for some time, lots of clients coming in. In fact, I just need to hire some people, more people. Um, but this Joy RX thing, you know, what I'm doing um, is trying to learn more about like how to have that kind of business in this day and age, right? I'm mm-hmm. not a person who knows that much about like posting things online. And, you know, we've got a podcast and people love it. I mean, we get so many wonderful statements like this is awesome this has got to you know get bigger this has got to go out to the world but that's not our our strong suit right so we've got to have the humility to get a coach to talk to people who really know about how to build that kind of business in this day and age you know a healthcare a practice you know you're gonna come because you need to come but in a business like this where we are coaching people through joy like actually getting them to add more joy to their lives or coaching in um, organizations, we've, we've got a lot to do in terms of learning how, um, how you market a business like that. So that is what I'm doing. Those are the exercises that I'm doing to increase and do better about my business is, you know, learning how to have a business in 2023. Super great insight. Definitely, you know, some thought starters for me and just some of the the ways you responded to 
the questions in this conversation. And I appreciate you so much. So um, in terms of Joy Rx and folks connecting with you, your practice, you on social media, and then following up to see how you're doing with that business goal, because now you already done said it. So now folks <laughs> now, now are listen, listening to this, you know, three, four, five months from now, like, oh, let's see how she's doing on that goal. So the Joy Rx website um, is the website and we are the Joy Rx on all the social media sites like Facebook, everything but Twitter. Um, on Twitter, we're the real Joy RX. All right, but TikTok, Facebook, um, Instagram, all of that is just the Joy RX. Um, and then I can be reached for for clients um, at the office. And also, there's several other therapists too. You know, we're a decent sized practice. We see children, we see adults, couples, everybody do evaluations. Awesome. And that's at www.atlpsychology.com. Thank you so much. Round of applause for Dr. Kanika Bell. So many gems in today's conversation. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mind, Body, and Business. Hey, be sure to follow, share, subscribe, stay connected. I would also greatly appreciate a rating or review. Remember, new episodes drop every Wednesday. Plus, you can stay connected with the Mind, Body, and Business podcast at MBBpod on Instagram and Facebook. As always, I enjoy this time with you. Truly appreciate your ear and look forward to another empowering conversation on the next episode. Until then, take care. Mind, Body, and Business is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media production hosted by me, Maria Moore. Follow me at Maria Moore, M-A-R-I-A-M-O-R-E on all socials. Executive produced by Maria Moore, Senior Director of Podcast Operations, Sierra Reed, Supervisory Producer, Colby Cope-Tyner, Director of Sales and Corporate Partnerships, Michelle Marino, Integrated Marketing and Partnerships, Lori Flowers, Laura Lopez, and Brittany Jackson, Digital Marketing, Walter Gaynor, J.R. Davis, and Tim Hall, Music produced by Jamal J. Soul Smith. Thank you for listening to the Mind, Body, and Business Podcast.